0: affirming to yourself, either through, through your thoughts or actually verbalizing, um, you know, the things that you need to hear. So things like, I, I am worthy. You know, <laughs> if you go into a client meeting and there's there's a deep set subconscious feeling that you are unworthy to be there, to do that work, to have that responsibility, to charge that money. If you feel that, it's, it's gonna come through in your entire presence. Whereas if you tell yourself, I am worthy, I am worthy of this work, and you, you, you really embody that, it, it's it's quite a powerful thing to do.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Edit Undo podcast. As you know, I am your host Alfie, and we've got a great, great guest that we are going to speak to today. Specifically for all the solopreneurs, creatives, and freelancers out there, this one is for you. I'm really, I'm really excited for this because I've, I think I've experienced a lot of the challenges that we're going to discuss today. Um, so, Matt, thank you very much for making the time to chat with us today, and welcome to the show.
0: Hi there. Yeah, thanks, Alfie. Nice to, nice to be here.
1: So, um, I think, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll definitely step into your story, but I think maybe, maybe before we do that, we can just chat a little bit about, um, very briefly what it is that you're doing at the moment, um, and, and kind of why you actually got into it.
0: Sure. Yeah. So I'm a business coach for freelancers, specifically individual mm-hmm. workers within the creative sector. So that's web designers, developers, mm-hmm. copywriters, uh, graphic designers, et etc anybody who's kind of putting their skills to use <clears throat> to you know be creative in the world, find creative solutions to problems and to make stuff um I've done that myself for the the vast majority of my career working as a as a web designer and one thing I've learned over the years is that there's a lot of potential within the sector I think that is untapped, mm-hmm. and that is because mm. A lot of the challenges that we face in business as individuals is you know really kind of leaning into the mindset that helps us to talk about money manage clients Mm -hmm. and projects generate leads for our businesses Mm -hmm. you know we're really good at bringing to the table those core skills of being good at illustrator or being a good programmer in php these things are kind of these are what we do right but all Mm -hmm. of the stuff that goes along with that the raft of other skills that are needed to really tap into our potential to do the best work for ourselves and for our clients a lot of people are unequipped to deal yeah. with that sort of stuff they don't have those um mm-hmm. the, the confidence to to really dig into that so my coaching is about helping mm-hmm. those people and when i say those people i'm talking about me literally 5 10 years ago you know because <laughs> i've been through this sort of stuff and uh, yeah i'm very passionate mm-hmm. about about that. And the people I work with now, you know, they can confidently go back to their existing clients and and ask for more money to to increase their rates. They can Mm -hmm. be more ambitious in the proposals that they're putting out there. They no longer see themselves Mm -hmm. as the the caterers to small businesses because they've got big ideas, Mm -hmm. but they were unrealized Mm -hmm. before. And from working with me and going through that coaching process, it really helps to lift the Mm -hmm. lid on what's possible for them and for their work so Mm -hmm. it's a a fantastic space to be in and I'm very happy to be doing it and um, you know I still practice web development web design myself as well so I've still got my kind of uh, Mm -hmm. business there that it kind of helps to keep me sort of one foot in that world so I'm still keeping up with what's going Mm -hmm. on there which I think is useful for informing Mm -hmm. the coaching practice as well.
1: Yeah.
2: I really like that you introduced yourself and you said, you know, you're a business coach for creatives essentially. Because generally speaking, we separate um, creatives and business, it's always two separate entities. Um, And uh, I think it's very important. And I think almost any creative can relate here that uh, if we had to pinpoint something we we all struggle with because it's probably not part of our creative career or creative, actually, if you think back to our studies, the creative processes honed in on and we focus on our niche and our craft, but there's no real business subject or, okay, cool, now you are a craft, skilled creative stepping into the world as an adult conversing in business with people as a creative how do you actually do that that's one thing we we don't really uh get as creatives Mm -hmm. um or essentially or I would I'm speaking for myself at least
0: yeah absolutely And, and and because it's not taught in formal education um and if it is it's taught from a very sort of kind of a practical way of looking at things so You know, maybe hire an accountant, get some invoicing software, those kind of practices, which are all good. But what they don't tap into is that sense of, like, leadership that entrepreneurs and business owners have. You know, business owners, generally, they set up a business because they want to bring some sort of vision to life. They want to have some kind of impact in the world. And I find Mm -hmm. a lot of creative freelancers, and again, going back to to myself, when I started freelancing in 2009, that was my first sort of go at it, you know, I I came to the the, the market with very much a mindset of I am a web designer Mm -hmm. and therefore the little cog that I was that sat perfectly well in, in an agency, when you take the machinery away from that cog all is left is the little cog (laughs) and I was just like this little cog in the world without anything around me and I think there's a mindset jump from Mm -hmm. being that cog to if you follow this uh if you follow what I'm going at here to building that machinery around you which is the business which is the vision Mm -hmm. which is the impact that you want to have in the world and so many and so many of us have this in us but you know nobody's really asking the questions No one's really asking us, you know, what what are we doing this for? A lot of freelancers will tell you that they've gone self-employed so that they can have more control over their time, earn a bit more money, um, work with whoever they want to work with and all this sort of stuff. And that's all good. Like, these are good reasons to go freelance. But what is missing is, okay, what about the wider world? Who are the businesses that you are helping specifically? And what are the challenges that you're supporting them to fix specifically? What's your vision? Mm-hmm. So it's about building out like I said that machinery. so um, you know you have mm-hmm. you are a business owner <clears throat> excuse me, you are a business owner, not yeah. just a web designer, a graphic designer, copywriter, etc.
1: No, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I'm really hoping in this discussion we can get to some of the, you know, practical elements that you sort of take on to help your, your your clients get there. But maybe before we do, can you give us a bit of an idea of, you know, let's roll the clock back and give us an idea of how you actually got into this space? Because I think it's not a very typical um, niche. You know, I mean, this is encountering you was the first time I'd ever come across a a. a A business coach focusing specifically on creative freelancing so how did that come to be
0: yeah i think if we go back probably about four or five years i decided one day that i was really tired of being a web designer for for any company for anyone big or small you know i I struggled to get excited about the vast array of different projects i was working on uh, and a lot of people enjoy that variety. That's cool. I did for a, a, a bit, a part of time. But then it got to the point where I wanted more of a foundation to the business. And I also wanted more of a sense of purpose about why I was doing what I was doing. So mm-hmm. I decided to, to niche down and start working with small charities. So these are charities that mm-hmm. have an income of less than a million a year. Um, that accounts mm-hmm. for about 90% of the third sector in the UK. To do that, once I realized that once I had that proposition in place, I was then faced with this challenge of, okay, how do I actually make this happen? And straight away, I realized I had to start putting myself out there. I realized I had to you know maybe start making videos, maybe start speaking at events, um, you know maybe start doing some cold outreach. The kind of things that I think a lot of people shy away from, we stay in our comfort zone, our safety zone, we avoid doing this sort of stuff. But the vision that I had for that business meant, meant that, I had, that I had no choice other than to step out of that comfort zone. So that's really what's, mm-hmm. what sort of kicked off the journey and started it for me. And delving into the world of sort of self-development was quite a powerful thing to do. The first book that I read was one called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway because I knew that I was feeling the fear but I had to I had to <laughs> do it anyway right I had to do these things in order to make what I wanted to happen happen um, so yeah it's been just a journey on that really and <clears throat> I got mm-hmm. to a point in the business a, c- a couple of years in where I, I, I had an, a number of clients, I'd reached that sort of six figure level of income over the course of a year which was uh, phenomenal mm-hmm. and I had not expected that to happen
1: mm-hmm.
0: it happened because I was practicing all this good stuff and I was really delivering for my clients and I started learning about coaching Mm -hmm. because I wanted to um, have better conversations with my clients. I found that Mm -hmm. coaching is really good for getting to the heart of sort of problems and hesitations and stuff whereas before I may have been very eager to rush in there with a solution, with an answer and kind of, Mm-hmm. talk about my opinion quite a lot. What coaching enables you to do is step mm-hmm. back and, and listen and challenge in a really positive way. So that's what I started doing mm-hmm. with my clients. And then it was only a few months into that, I realized, oh, wow, actually, this is an epiphany moment. I could apply these same skills to people in my sector and help them to do, mm-hmm. uh, in in a way, what I've managed to do in my own journey. So that mm-hmm. that's that kind of brings us mm-hmm. to date, really. Yeah.
2: I love that. (laughs) Um, You mentioned uh, a little bit about, you know, what your coaching entails, but I want to go a little bit further, especially for everyone listening that wants to get to know you more as a coach. What is your coaching style? Is it like one-on-one video calls? Is it a series of 12 sessions we have to do? Or what does your coaching look like?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. It is one-to-one calls, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, there is a general trajectory within the coaching sector that you move from one to ones to group coaching, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know what the future looks like for me. I guess in terms of impact and scale, the groups would make sense. But right now I'm at a one to one stage, and I absolutely love it. It's ninety minute sessions mm-hmm. every week over a ten week period. so mm-hmm. it's really intense and it is ideally for people that are at a crossroads. Um, maybe they've just gone freelance and they have five six seven thousand pounds in their bank you know kind of a buffer and they're you know they're ready to invest in themselves in order to take it to the next level um you know Mm. and it's 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 really interesting i've found that the sweet spot tends to be people in their sort of mid-30s that are more at Mm -hmm. that crossroads um, I'm not sure why that is, but it, it's just an interesting um, observation that I've had. I'm not saying that that is true across the board, but particularly in our sector at this time, mm-hmm. there seems to be people that have done quite a lot for a while, and now they're ready to do something a bit more serious. And they know, like mm-hmm. I did back then, that there's that they need to do something to make that happen.
1: Mm. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I think it's it's it's. Um... It's important because, you know, I mean, um, both Steph and I are sort of heading in that direction um, at, 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 uh, or rather to that point in our lives. Um, and, you know, maybe the fact that the both of us at um, sort of have switched uh, the companies that we were working at pretty recently from being a small cog in a very big machine to being a maybe... A bigger cog in a smaller <laughs> machine, um, but but really sort of being able to have more impact in the work that you're doing, and I think that's something that's that comes up in a lot of creatives' experience because you know at the beginning of your at the beginning of your career, you know whether you go work for an agency or you're working let's say in a financial in the financial sector, um, doing design there or whatever it might be, the first thing that you want to do is basically learn about how. Like what it means to be a working person, what kind of businesses are out there, what different industries speak to you. And then you eventually get comfortable within that. And then you almost become like a a knowledgeable or, or, or like you find like sort of a skill set that you're proficient at. But then I feel like there comes a point where you're almost like, OK, I've got the skill set, but I want to do something like I want to make a difference. And for me, and, and I'm saying that because I experience this quite personally. It's like there comes a point where you're like, you know, it doesn't matter how beautiful the websites I design are or how great the graphics that I produce are, if they're not actually doing anything and they're not actually mm-hmm. getting out there into the world and, and creating an impact in somebody's life. And I feel like that's that's for me is one of the reasons why I made that shift. And maybe that's, that's an indication as to why people sort of reach the, at, at that stage of around like your your 30s or heading in that direction where... You want to find a way to make a little bit of impact and so I wanted to to, to maybe um, pick your brain a little bit because one of the things that that you sort of mentioned that you did is um, a term that I, I've I've only heard for the first time and you know maybe it's just um, you know the lexicons are a little bit different but the idea of niching down like finding a space where you where you want to fit in um, can you speak a little bit about the importance of finding a niche specifically for for freelancers or solopreneurs?
0: Yeah, sure. And just to pick up on something you said there about the graphics and how they look and how it feels. Like, I, I completely agree with you that it, it, if it doesn't have some sort of, if it doesn't resonate in some way with a business objective, a user objective... Then you know what is it for, and I guess the answer to that would be the you know it is for me as a designer. So I think there's a as a, a maturation process, a maturing process mm-hmm. as a designer from, I would say actually an artist to a designer, mm-hmm. because if an artist does things for themselves, mm-hmm. and, a, and a designer does things for others, you know, is one way of looking at it. So mm-hmm. we, if we still keep that. Energy in ourselves to do this work like we need that Mm -hmm. so even if you produce something and it is absolutely useless in the world if you got a lot of Mm -hmm. fulfillment from creating something um, then that is an amazing thing to have if it does have an impact as well then that's also an amazing thing and I I think to come back to your question about niching there in a way it's kind of like the bringing together of those two worlds it's something that is meaningful to me but it's also meaningful to others and having a shared um a a shared set of objectives around that work. So Mm -hmm. when I worked with, I chose to work with small charities in particular because I'd been Mm -hmm. to a few events in my local area whereby charities would talk about their impact. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it was like literally hairs on the back of my neck stuff, right? Really, really inspiring Mm -hmm. stories. And I'd -hmm. worked with a couple of charities as well just by chance that just sort of come into my orbit and I took on the work. And and that gave me a whole different view of what it was to be a web developer, to be a designer, to be in the creative sector. It kind of made it kind mm. of forced me to to ask the question of myself of you know what is all this for? Like yeah, sure, mm. as I said earlier, it's it's for me in that I can earn money, I can take time off when I want, and I don't have a boss to answer to. But yes, yeah, certainly. I think as you go through your career and possibly just as a, as a result of, of aging, you start to ask the mm-hmm. bigger questions and, and also think about your legacy. Like, this is something that, you know, a lot of people who are young, they don't think about legacy because they don't think about mm-hmm. being old or the next generation or being remembered or anything like that. But I, yeah, I think in terms of niching, you know, you can go 10 years and do nothing in terms of niching you can just work with anyone and everyone and just in a way is that steve Je- steve jobs quote that says you have to trust that the dots will join i don't know if you've heard of that uh that address that he made at that um, college um college speech that he did and it's about in a way looking back through your career at a certain point and your life more generally and seeing uh, what were those important things that happened and then trying to find mm-hmm. you're joining them together and trying to find a thread that means something to you that you can then mm-hmm. use as a guiding
1: path forward
2: sure. if that yeah, makes yeah. sense
1: that's amazing i think that's very cool
2: it really makes me think um about you know the the recent decision i made for instance to start this new job as well if I spent enough time um, reflecting on my own journey to connect those dots and see, you know, what are some of the, the themes, the values I see that I invest in in my creative um, process or creative journey, and where do I see it then going forward? But instead, um, I think generally, if we think about creative career paths, it's not a very mature discipline or profession. And I think mm-hmm. maybe because of that, we we have this um, very uh, templatized idea of what our creative career should look like. And most of the time when people reach mid or late 30s, you've... Got into the climax right you cool you you got the the nice paycheck you've got the the creative director or the director term behind your name so then we almost get to this crossroads of what next because we almost looking ahead the whole time instead of also like pausing and reflecting what what's meaning to to me as a as a creative Um, looking Mm -hmm. back on our own journeys making it personal rather than Mm -hmm looking outwards to what does this templatized um, career path of a creative look like i don't know just mm. thinking
0: <laughs> yeah i've never thought of it like that but i totally understand where you're coming from a templatized yeah it is it's the it's the uh, the career ladder isn't it yeah. there's always this mm-hmm. idea that you're just going up you know one rung of the ladder at a time to i don't know creative director agency owner whatever whatever that looks like mm-hmm. um and you know, I, I think one of one of the good things about coaching as well is really getting to the the heart of that because that path isn't necessarily right for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um and mm-hmm. yet sometimes we follow it anyway, just through, you know, those yep. those external Mindless, forces yeah. that are telling us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, on an unconscious <laughs> level, yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's that's so true. Um so So, you know, as I I sort of mentioned early on in the conversation, I was really hoping to get to some of the like um, practical, really like dirt level um, aspects of this sort of idea of creative coaching. And one of the areas that I think will be super interesting to chat about, because so many of the people who have been freelancers and especially in the early days when you're starting out, one of the biggest challenges is, you know, when you're speaking about your craft, you're energetic, you're in it, you know, you're passionate about what you do. And then, you know, usually it's um, at the end of the conversation, you need to start talking about money and suddenly that confidence (laughs) just shrinks and you've got this like tiny little voice. um, And, you know, you start to like really doubt, like, you know, what you're worth. And I think that's one of the things that I was hoping we could talk a little bit about um, is just about like, do you have any ideas or thoughts about why either why creatives struggle with it so much or just some of the things that sort of surround that aspect of being a freelancer or a solopreneur.
0: Yeah, sure, I mean, it's something that I hear very often. To be honest with you, it's, it's one of the biggest things, it's one of the biggest barriers that people face. But I think, um, you know, Alfie, with you mentioning that, it would be good to hear your experience if you don't, if if you have some experience in, and you said they're that shrinking of confidence and stuff. I'd love to hear from you where that sort of comes from in your experience.
1: Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I I, I definitely can. I, I can remember one of my one of my early projects. So, um, and I'll maybe speak to, to to two of them. So my my journey into the industry was a little bit um, windy because I ended up um, dropping out of university and then starting to work. Um, and so to be actually be able to drop out of university, what I needed to do was like do a little bit of freelance projects just so that I could do and um, put together a portfolio. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I know, like I understand about myself is conversation is something that I enjoy and something that I'm usually very strong at. And when I'm speaking about my craft, I find my confidence in my abilities. And so I can speak about, you know, what actually makes a good website, what makes a good UI but then as soon as I have to speak about money, it's sort of like, you know, it's less about what I'm doing and more about like, am I going to get rejected? Or am I like, is mm. is a client going to not see the value that I can see? And so think that I'm ripping them off. And that's something that, that, that even up to now, even though I was, you know, sort of developed in that process, I still struggle with today. It's like, as soon as we get to speaking about money, it's kind of like... It becomes less about what I can do and more about you know whether I'll be accepted or not um and i I remember there the was there was one project where i was i was, actually maybe even a different one that's a little bit um, more funny was when I was in the interview for my first job, and they eventually asked me um you know what what salary am I looking for now i mean I'd never been in an inter- interview process before, like my first job was also my first interview, so I was like, um <laughs> you know I'm like, I've, I, I even remember saying I'm willing to accept whatever you could pay me, like you know, <laughs> even if it's one or two thousand rand, which was, which was even more than my travelling costs. But I was kind of like in this space where I was like, I just, I just need to get a job, and it becomes a matter of like my, my self image rather than what I'm willing, like worth, what the worth of my work is to the, to the, um, to the organisation. And it took me quite a while to actually understand that. Fortunately, the the company was was a good one and they still like they didn't take my very terrible initial um, suggestion for a salary <laughs> yeah. and they sort of gave me like a, a good base rate. But you know, I mean, even up to now when I have to speak about like finances, it, it's, it always feels like I'm stepping outside of my my area of expertise and my area of knowledge and i'm also always so surprised about it when i get to that point of the conversation because i've been confident for 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 the whole interview or the whole conversation or the whole yeah. um sort of discovery process with the client and so i mean that's that's been my experience
0: yeah i've been i've been there myself um i think one of the i mean there there are many different ways to approach this because it really mm-hmm. all comes down to You know, it's really about the self and that sort of Mm self-worth. And I I think a lot of it can be combated, if you like, by getting ahead of the conversation, by taking leadership on Mm -hmm. the solution and the meeting that you have with those clients. So when it comes Mm -hmm. to pitching, you're confident in the solution Mm -hmm. that you're putting forward but then it starts to fall off a cliff when it comes to the money conversation. And I think one of the challenges that we have is to be confident throughout that process to know within ourselves that what we're doing here is worth that money. And, you know, that, that, does, that does take practice. It takes some mindset work. Um, but, but ultimately, it, you know, it comes down to a, a sense of, a real sense of self-worth and self-belief and seeing this as simply an offer. Here is here is a problem mm-hmm. that you and I, me and the client, have articulated together. Here's a problem. Here is a solution. You can work with me if you want. I can, I can make this happen for you. It's entirely up to you. And if you would like to work with me, this is how much it costs. And you don't even blink because mm-hmm. you know full well deep down that you have the stuff to deliver on that project. And yeah, it takes practice Mm -hmm. and, and you know, and it takes affirming to yourself that it is worth it because, you know, people Mm -hmm. buy from confident people. It's like, you know, if you feel confident, they feel confident. It's a weird transfer of energy. (laughs) If you come to the table, even if you have Mm -hmm. the best skills in the world and you could build them, as a, a system that's totally bespoke, you could do an amazing brand guideline, uh, brand um, set of brand assets, whatever it is, you could do all that stuff. But if you come to the table and you're, you know, you kind of shrunk it down, you're a little bit small, you're a bit hunched over, you're, you're umming and aching a lot. Those are the things that will just not instil confidence in that person. So, what's interesting hearing you say that, Alfie, is that actually, when you feel that your confidence is diminished in that moment that possibly comes across as a bit of a surprise to that client because you've been confident to that point you know uh, mm-hmm. so yeah i guess it's a case of just you know powering through and taking real ownership over what you're mm-hmm. offering know that it's worth it yeah and see mm. it as an offer rather than a sale It's something that they can choose to buy rather than something that you
1: must sell, if that that helps. Oh, okay. That actually makes a lot of sense. Mm.
2: I think uh, something, I have no idea, I can't remember who told me this. Probably my stepdad, bless him if he's listening, (laughs) Um, a few years back um, around similar concept to what you're explaining, that When you are busy negotiating a deal with either a client or a potential new employer, that you should rather view it as a matchmaking process. Almost like a couple stepping into a relationship. You are both equal entities. Um, You're not a service provider and client isn't God. You are both Mm. stepping into an equal position And it needs to be a good match for both of you. And it's not you just throwing everything you can to their will to please Mm -hmm. them. It is you both have to, like, you know, um, play this game of this is what I can offer you. Either you you kind of meet me where I'm at because then we are equal players in this game and Starting the relationship at that point then if that succeeds you have mm. mutual respect at least and then that kind of sets mm-hmm. the baseline for the relationship
0: I completely agree with that that mm. is yeah I, I think you've articulated it better than better than I did but yeah I'm often doing this You, if it's podcast <laughs> you won't be able to see but we, <laughs> we put the client on a, like a pedestal up here yes, we do. and we <laughs> see ourselves we, exactly mm. and we see ourselves down here almost with the begging bowl out can you mm-hmm. You know, I i can do I can make those website amends. I can write that article, uh, please give me some money to do it, you know? When really we should be seeing it mm-hmm. as, as as equal. Um, if not, if not completely the other way around, that this client is is lucky to work with you, you know. In, in a way, if you can mm-hmm. change your mindset to that, you will have your your pick of, of the work. And to go back to the niching mm-hmm. question of earlier, if you can make your clients goals your own through a niche i.e those charities i really want to see those charities succeed but if a charity came to me and it didn't look like they had the stuff to to make that happen i i wouldn't work with them if they came to me and they seemed you know scattered and um uninspired and 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 just not really like they were going to make the best use of my time then i i wouldn't work with them uh, it, it very, really, ha- mm-hmm. I think only happened once. But yeah, that again, so niching and choosing a, a client whose values and objectives are very similar to your own can help with that conversation mm-hmm. about money as well, because then it's like you say, Stephanie, it's like a, a relationship where you're both just wanting the same things um, rather mm-hmm. than it being sort of butting heads over some details or financial
1: concerns. Mm hmm um so i guess i've I've got a bit of a a follow-up um so one of the things that you said that's really important for a person you know if they do struggle specifically about speaking speaking about financials is is to practice um and i think that's a good piece of advice but i think you know thinking putting myself in the mind of a listener i guess the challenge is like you know how do I practice? Like, do, you, do I practice like with real clients? Do I sort of do role playing? Like, how, how, how would you like recommend, you know, if I was, let's say your coaching client and we sort of saw that this was a weakness, like what kind of activities would you would you say to to actually be able to practice that?
0: Honestly, I think whatever helps, role play is cool. You know, I've, I've actually done that with my clients. Um, you could, they could do it with their partner, their friend, uh they could write write it down like a conversational flow straight out of their head they or they, they could actually go and have a conversation with their clients and and throw themselves in the deep end in terms of getting mm-hmm. to that point it's about baby steps really towards that self belief that w- the change that you want to make whatever that is can happen and sometimes throwing mm-hmm. yourself in the deep end isn't isn't always the most productive way to go about things uh mm-hmm. one thing that does help is, is is so-called positive affirmations so that's basically just affirming to yourself either through through your thoughts or actually verbalizing um you know the things that you need to hear so things like i i am worthy you know mm-hmm. if you go into a client meeting and there's there's a deep set subconscious feeling that you are unworthy to be there to do that work to have that responsibility to charge that money if you feel that it's it's going to come through in your entire presence mm-hmm. whereas if you tell mm-hmm. yourself i am worthy i am worthy of this work and mm-hmm. you, you really embody that it, it's it's quite a powerful thing to do so does that answer your question
1: yeah yeah no no definitely um and i think that's important like i think the thing that i really like about that is the idea of taking um sort of reducing it to the level of resolution that resonates with you whether it's you know taking the big step um of like sort of doing it with a real client or taking maybe a medium-sized step of practicing with somebody that you know and that you're comfortable with or going as small as just simply speaking to yourself and like affirming um with yourself the fact that this is something that um, you are worthy worthy of so yeah definitely
0: yeah, I mean, all yeah. these kind of little tactics. I mean, there's a whole ton of them, really. And it's about mm-hmm. knowing what will work, f- you know, for you in, in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would encourage anyone who's listening to do would be to, you know, to explore the world of sort of self-development and overcoming fear and understanding self-worth because there, there's, there's so much there mm-hmm. uh, that can teach you to, to mm-hmm. unlearn a lot of the stuff that's come from our, from our past. Like, we learn a yeah. lot from when we were young. Like, I've even spoken to people, and I identify with this really closely, people that are from a very working-class background. You know, they grew up without a lot of money, second-hand clothes, etc., cheap food. Like, they, they, they carry within them that lesson that, that money is, like, everything and that costs need to be cut... They don't have a, an investment sort of mindset. Um, and, and so it's really about re- removing all of that, all of those, those lessons that we learned that may have been useful when we were younger and for our family, that we're in a completely different situation to where we are now. But where you want to get to requires a whole th- like shift in, in your thinking. Um, and so yeah. working through that stuff that you carry with yeah. you, becoming aware of it mm-hmm. and then challenging it, is yeah, that's really the that's really the work to be honest with you, because everything that you do in the world flows from that.
2: Yeah. yeah, I cannot agree more with you, Matt, and especially with the the self worth part. Um, and I guess it takes a lot more work for us as creatives to to know that you know to converse business wise in this industry. We have to put in a lot of self work as well in order to become linguistic in business so to say we have to uncover personal more personal uh, levels or layers of ourselves um but regarding the the self-worth um characteristic or topic I think a lot of creatives um from observation and personal experience they get into this bad cycle or trap because of the the self-worth you know you get your maybe it's your first freelance client and um we, we put the client on the pedestal. So yes, I'll take anything um, cool, got the gig, but they're obviously just paying me whatever they want. Um, then they also treat me that way. They treat me bad because, you know, I said I would do anything and I keep on pleasing them. Um, and then after that client, I kind of, I got the money, but I'm not quite happy. That's not the client I want but um, that's kind of the cycle that people get into. Then the next client, I do that again. And maybe that previous client, because I put that client on the pedestal, um, I let them disrespect me. And then I almost go to myself, oh, flip, you know, that proves that I should have taken less. Maybe I should have given them a discount or worked harder. And it enforces this bad cycle again so the next line I'm like let me lower my price so maybe they won't be as mean or um, negotiate a little bit less and it's just a cycle do you you see that happening in the clients you work with
0: yeah absolutely yeah I mean do you mind like because obviously you've it feels like you've had some experience in this so what's your kind of uh, experience of this cycle
2: so like I mentioned um, to before we started, uh, I freelanced for about five years, and uh, I think that was probably one of the hardest lessons is to say no. Instead of thinking about, you know, just getting every client, it's rather getting the right clients, and that's that was really hard in the beginning because obviously, as I started out freelancing, you just say yes to every and any client. And that wasn't necessarily the best way to go, because um, you do get clients who who see you as the service provider. So you should be doing everything and anything to please me, even though it's out of scope, it's not what I quoted. Um, so I think I'm uh, grateful to say I, I did get out of that uh, cycle, didn't last very long. I don't know if it was just the people in my life I had at the time who were at least had a um, a better view of me that helped reinforce a uh, better or stronger self worth um, at the time, but it was very hard starting to say no to people. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what was the
0: uh, and what was the sort of breakthrough moment, if you can say, that switched for you to start being able to say
2: no. sure I have one memory of a freelance client who is an agency owner a small agency owner very good negotiator very very good charismatic <laughs> brilliant at what he does <laughs> swoons all his clients and um, I remember just walking in and telling myself whatever offer or hourly rate we negotiate and come to I need to increase it doesn't matter if it's even the happy number I walked in mentally um And I don't know if that was a breakthrough moment, if something happened, or was it just that I walked in with a very strong intention, rather than the intention being, I want the client, the intention was keep the promise to myself, not keep the promise to the client. So maybe that's why I remember that memory. And it was, it was terrifying. I was sweating. (laughs) It was uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, but I, but I walked out and I said, cool, um, I know we discussed this, but, um, I still want to increase the hourly rate by by X. You can let me know if you're happy with that, yes or no. So again, I think if I had to say what the breakthrough was, was walking in with the intention of being getting the client, but rather keeping a promise to myself.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Keeping a promise to yourself, setting an intention. Like, mm-hmm. I really love that because we often get caught up in like, uh, like results. You know, yeah. y- you would think that, Oh, if i I must get eighty dollars an hour from this client or whatever it might be, um otherwise I failed like that's my objective, mm-hmm. whereas really, it's not the outcomes that we actually have control over, it's our own mm-hmm. sort of actions that we take, so yeah, it sounds like that was a really good moment for you because you you established something that you were gonna do intentionally and then kept that promise to yourself mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah and 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 that's that's that's, that's such a powerful thing to do but you know it does start with the awareness and I think what you said there about the cycle and the patterns that we get into it the longer it goes on as well the harder it is to interrupt that pattern and you know it mm. is it's heartbreaking for me when I speak to a potential coaching client and we press on some really not deep well I suppose it is sort of deep stuff really and yeah, um, <laughs> and we highlight some stuff but the fear still prevents them from taking it. Like, they they won't go on to work with me, or they'll, they'll you know, I've actually had people sort of ghost me um, after a conversation, you know. I, I try mm. and... I'm always respectful. I don't ask p- permission, you know, to kind of delve into some of these subjects. But sometimes it's too raw, and they mm. they can't face it. So they end up just going back to mm. behaving... In exactly the same way as they always have done because that's where the comfort zone is and that's that's what they're being dragged down to so yeah. yeah one of the most challenging things with personal development is you know get get getting on the getting on the track and starting moving and being prepared to face you know those it's those those things that we've done you know to try and face down the things that have been he- holding us where we are and and get past them you know that that's where it mm-hmm. begins
1: yeah. Yeah, no, you you you're, I think you're definitely right. Um and you know there's there's another aspect of this that I think also I I'd, I'd like to get a little bit of your thoughts on because you know I think you know a lot of people will experience money as one of the the more challenging aspects of the the whole creative process but I think the the second one that's also tough maybe not as tough but maybe difficult in a different way is one of the things I find with a lot of creative people is Plainly put, a lack of structure, you almost like you, you sort of just do things as they come or like, you know, hope that inspiration strikes you and it's going to sort of um, it's going to work out the way you want it to. And, you know, when you're working in maybe in the context of an agency or in the context of a, an organization, that structure almost gets imposed on you. You know, you, you've got a manager who's got specific expectations. He's going to check in with you at these specific times. And so you you almost have the ability to almost put that responsibility on somebody else. But then when you step into a freelance role or into the the role of a solopreneur, all of that is on you. And it's something that I I think I probably struggled with that more than I did talking about money, just because my personality does not gel very well with being structured (laughs) and being orderly. Um, and it's something that I had to had to work on for quite a while. But I don't know if you've got any thoughts about either about the, the, the sort of importance of developing that structure or um, maybe things that people might be able to do um, in that space to, to help them sort of overcome that.
0: Yeah, I completely see where you're coming from there about stepping away from somebody else's structure into a very unstructured mm-hmm. world uh, that, you know, there's mm-hmm. no scaffolding around you. There's no framework and it is just you as well so you can't build it with somebody else you have to build it yourself and you know i personally think that none of that really i mean it it matters at a certain point you know if you want to scale take on staff increase your impact Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff that's when it matters because you don't want to be you don't want huge gaps in the business um if you're putting money and effort Mm -hmm. and, and investment into it But arguably, in those first early days of solo business ownership, what, again, it comes down to the personal development stuff and and working out really what's behind the drive to add structure, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. somebody, a couple of times now, people have come to me and they're they're quite young in their business, or it's a new business, Mm -hmm. and they're actually looking for an advisor Someone to basically come Mm -hmm. in and say this, this and this is is, you're doing that wrong. You should do it like this. And Mm -hmm. my response is always the same. It's like I shouldn't give you advice on this. I'm not here to tell you how to run your own business. What I want to do is work through the stuff that's making you feel like you have to ask my advice. You know, so we want to break down the barrier so that they're just I haven't got a structure. That's cool. I don't have any clients at the moment. That's cool. I don't, you know, whatever it is, you're not freaking out. So it's about building that sense of self and that confidence that um, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't it doesn't matter that you don't have all of the things figured out uh, because mm-hmm. within you, you know, there's a belief there that you're on the right path. The stars will align, you know, it, it will come together when it when it happens you know sure have goals have a vision work towards stuff um i think suppose this comes back to what stephanie was saying a moment ago about that career trajectory in our industry of going through management up to directorship whatever that looks like you know when you launch a business Mm -hmm. you may have an idea that is implanted from the expectations of other people from books that you've read from your peers um this is the path that I need to take so within you know three months I must have a very fixed business model for example and it's like do does that need to be the case or can you be comfortable knowing that that might not be the case for a while and that you're you Mm -hmm. know you're confident to just work on things meet challenges as they arise does that answer your question
1: yeah no definitely definitely
0: but I, I would say I'm not advocating not having structure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I, I think <laughs> no, 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 I get get, you get to a point where, like I said, you want to grow and you want to start. I always use this uh, analogy of machinery of business, right? Uh, like imagine it as a machine, you know, when you want to start filling that with oil or fuel or whatever, you want to start putting stuff into that it's leads, staff, growth, basically. When you want to really get that machine Churning and running—that's that's that's when you do need the the structure, or you could benefit from having the structure. But certainly, to begin with, it's just about going with the flow, for lack of a better way of putting putting it.
2: Mm -hmm. I do look like what you said about you know what is your motivation behind the structure? Because I think if we pause and question ourselves, it also helps you not feel insecure whether there's a structure or not. Because um, what is your motivation? Like for Alvi, I think um, f- from me being his friend and colleague, I know his motivation is coming from him stepping into this role, wanting to make more impact. And that's why, you know, it's important for him to find this structure that is best suited for him in his new environment. But it does start with, yeah asking what is the motivation behind getting structured? Is it because people call me unstructured or i'm I'm just like this go go with the flow, and I'm feeling insecure about being that person, or is it actually because it's to my benefit as well
0: mm, mm yeah and like definitely that sense of motivation behind it. Um, so much comes down to fear, doesn't it? And a lot of people, you know, especially Pitting in the early days, they want to have that structure because it gives them that blanket of security that they have a business. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas, like I said, if, if, if you were to just read a book or get in a business advisor and they told you exactly how to put this thing together, like you could get some value from that, but it's not addressing the underlying issue, which is you're scared and that's fine. So let's work on mm-hmm. that so that to make you less scared and more confident.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I think you know when I think back to um you know earlier in my career when I was looking for all of these sort of like frameworks on what like what is the process of a UX designer, step one, step two, step three, step four. and then like you kind of like you copy that, you maybe change the graphics a little bit, and then that's what you use to present to your clients because then you can almost tell yourself that. You know, maybe I don't necessarily know what I'm doing, but the person where I got this from is a professional (laughs) and they know what they're doing. And it's sort of like you're you're trying to you're trying to almost transpose their confidence into yourself. And, you know, I I understand why you Mm -hmm. might want to do that, especially at the early um, stages of your career, because you may not necessarily have that confidence yet. But I think it's what you've mentioned about like addressing the confidence is actually much more important because they... I think for most people, there'll come a time in your career where either your landscape changes, your your maybe the niche that you're going for changes. And then you'll sort of just be in the same position if you haven't addressed it, because you're going to be you're going to have those new uncertainties. You're going to have those fears are going to start creeping up in a different context. And if you don't know how to address those fears or if there isn't an existing framework for this new niche that you're in, you're sort of left high and dry and i think it's 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 really great that you sort of mentioned the fact that you need to address the underlying fears and, and um, uncertainties
0: yeah i think it's getting to a point where instead of having a fear of the unknown you you're almost welcoming the unknown mm-hmm. and, and, and you're saying mm-hmm. and you're saying to yourself i don't know what this is about right now but i'm welcoming the challenge and i've got a lot to learn on the way and i think that mm-hmm. is a very forward momentum way of thinking um because if you if you just let fear take over, you won't mm-hmm. even take on the challenge so you won't learn you won't experience and you won't grow, you'll just remain where you are,
1: yeah no definitely um <clears throat> and so maybe just a, a, another question um what 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 would you say and I don't know if if you'll be able to answer this, so feel free to 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 feel free to um kind of take your own interpretation of it. But like, what are some of the maybe newer lessons that you've learned actually while, while coaching creatives? Maybe some of the conceptions that you might have had before which have shifted or sort of like things that have changed your mindset based off of working with other creatives?
0: That's a good question. Um, I think that there's a, lot, <laughs> there's a lot more fear out there than I thought. <laughs> um, I think that's possibly, you know, when I started the coaching business, I, was, I came to it from a mindset of people need accountability and structure. You know, it's the kind of mm-hmm. the, the logistical, practical, strategic stuff that they need help with. And I very, very, yeah. very quickly learned people weren't buying into that at all. And the reason for it was because here's a very thin layer of stuff there, which is accountability and structure and and strategic stuff, tactical stuff. Underneath that Mm. is a huge ocean of experiences, beliefs, limiting beliefs, uh, stories that we tell Mm. ourselves. That's, you know, coaching is about the deep dive into that not the superficial strategic stuff you know it helps with some of that it can help to hold you accountable um but yeah really what it's about is 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 getting to the heart of problems so if someone says to me mm-hmm. you know i i don't make videos for youtube or, or social media for example um it's just not my thing they probably say that to themselves and loads of people around them nobody ever challenges them on it because they all just think oh cool you know, they're not really interested in, in what this person's limiting beliefs are. So nobody ever picks them up on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I would be like, well, hold on one moment. Let's just shine a bit of a light on that. What is the, what's making you say that doing video isn't your thing? You know, and mm-hmm. then we have a real conversation. If they're open mm-hmm. to it, if they're open to it, the conversation will become meaningful and, and, a, and a breakthrough mm-hmm. can occur a realization, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's. So I think the biggest mindset, not mindset shift, but the biggest realization for me, and the thing that I've learned the most is that, wow, there's a, there's a lot of people out there who, 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 were really where I was five years ago, and that that's mm-hmm. fine. It just means that my mission is bigger, and my task mm-hmm. is bigger as well, which yeah. is fine. I'm up for it, right? Let's bring it on, but. Yeah. I, I, but also like, you know, when I set up working with charities four or five years ago, I had, <clears throat> I'd, I'd come to a place where I wasn't working with just anyone anymore. I had a niche, I had a bit of a business model and I was ambitious and I knew what broadly what I wanted to achieve. I didn't have any of the personal development stuff. So if, if, if somebody who was a coach dropped into my inbox on LinkedIn or sent me an email at that point in my life and said, do you want to have a chat about how I can help you with some of this stuff? I would have bitten their hand off. I would have been like, absolutely, this is exactly, but I wasn't of the mindset to look for a coach. So I didn't know such a thing existed really. I didn't know how they could help me. somebody came Mm -hmm. to me. So I see myself now as the person who could come along at the right time for those people that need it. And I have done. Like Mm -hmm. the clients that I have now, it's just the stars have aligned. They've realized I needed to make a change. I've been the guy that's asked them the right questions at the right time and they've enrolled mm-hmm. to work with me and it's, and it, you know, we're already seeing mm-hmm. amazing results.
1: Sure. That's amazing. Um, there was a question I had in my head just now and it's just left me. Oh yes. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so you, you sort of mentioned that, you know, if, if you'd kind of come across this, um, five years ago, it, it would have. It would have been something that would have caught your interest, and you mentioned the fact that it's not something that you knew existed. And you know, when you and I initially connected, that's something that I said to you: I didn't even know there was such a thing as a a creative coach. So, yeah. are there are there things that I don't know if this is even a question that you can answer? But like things that, are, like, if I'm a a freelance creative and I and I feel like there are aspects that I'm not satisfied with, things that I could look out for in myself that might indicate that um. <laughs> freelance coaching is something that would be useful for me or something that could take me to the to the next level like how, how might i look a little bit into myself to see that actually maybe this is something that can help
0: mm, yeah that is a really good question that that introspection um it there are so many answers I, I i'm just trying to think what the easiest way into this could be and i suppose it would be to write down on a bit of paper or on your on your phone or whatever, the kind of perceived weaknesses that you have about yourself or if it's easier to write down all of the bad experiences that you've had or any opportunities that you feel like you've missed, any regrets that you have, you know, mm. and really examine your past and and who you are now to see laid out on a piece of paper where those gaps are where those holes are in you as a person mm-hmm. and, and in your business mm-hmm. and I think if you did that, that would give you a good grounding because one of the first things I ask people who are potentially interested in working with me is um, what, what is it that you're looking to get out of this relationship Like, how, you know, from working with me where do you want to get to and just that question itself can unlock, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that may have not been conscious, because, you know, people in general aren't taught to listen and question and sit with people, sit with their hesitations and stuff. Even the best, yeah. even your, even if you've got the best partner in the world, like a you know your girlfriend or whatever, like. I mean, my my partner, she's a trained counsellor, so she's very good at listening and she's very good at challenging. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think all, all of my other relationships, it's quite, it sounds a negative thing to say, but it's quite superficial. So we don't question our friends on a deep level. And if we do, it's so that we can give our opinion and our advice, isn't it? That's what we do. We mm-hmm. just give our advice. I think that you should do this. No, I think you should do that. And <laughs> what coaching is about is really... Listening and not just listening, but asking the questions that can help them to see something that is there that they, c- that they can't currently see. And no one's trained for this in society, so no one experiences this. Yeah. So, to start the conversation, Alfie, I think, yeah, it starts by asking yourself those questions um, mm-hmm. and then talking to a coach. Most coaches do like free mm-hmm. discovery calls and that sort of thing where what they're looking for and what I'm looking for in them calls is, you know, enough stuff to work with and a potential breakthrough in that moment where someone goes, oh, do you know what? You're, you're right there. Or, you know, what you've made me realise is X, Y, and Z. I'm doing this because, or I always do that and I would like to do this instead. And when you can mm-hmm. get to that point, that's when things start to get more exciting because... you Mm -hmm. you begin to realise that those patterns can be interrupted. Those blockers that you see right there that are getting in the Mm -hmm. way, they can be moved out of the way. And, yeah, so Mm -hmm. it's a lot of it's about inspiration. So it's about inspiring yourself as well as asking the questions and challenging yourself. It's about getting excited again about what's possible for you.
2: You know, Matt, um, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think we're almost going to wrap it up, but I'm just sitting here thinking um what what I've gained from this and uh it's it's been so nice taking moments to reflect on my own journey and just appreciate some small moments um or pivots or um yeah growth moments in my own career and then also just helping me see or expose opportunities that are still there for awareness, um, and I'm sure Alfie, uh and the listeners will feel the same. It's been it's been so amazing. Um, it's always mm-hmm. it's always good to take a moment to reflect because it helps us to firstly appreciate, and reflection also then helps us to be be more kind to ourselves when we look to the future and identify where's growth needed.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's that reflection, isn't it? And and also like having some kindness towards yourself as well like you said there because it's very easy to look back at some of those uh, i guess you you may label them as mistakes but yeah you know there is no such thing as failure if there's a learning experience there that is just genuinely true so yeah thank you for um yeah thank you for having me on and it's it's amazing that you two are both putting together this podcast and um and and, Mm. and sharing some of this stuff as well with the with the sector thank you
2: and maybe one last question. If people want to find you, they want to chat to you, they desperately want you to coach them, where can they find you?
0: Uh, the first port of call would be my LinkedIn profile, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, was, <laughs> having been a web designer for 15 years, it's weird <laughs> saying that, but I'm most active on LinkedIn. So if you just Google, uh, sorry, search me on there, you'll, you'll find me. Um, but I've also got a website, which is mattsaunders.uk, um ironically it's currently out of date but i'm working on that but yeah certainly either send me a message through there or send me a message on linkedin
1: amazing
2: Amazing. there you have it guys uh and thanks for everyone listening and remember to go have a check at our social we do post some announcements of new episodes and new guests as well as some resources from our episodes
1: Thanks very much, guys.
2: Cheers and thank you. Bye.